Well, grace, peace, and mercy be to you from God our Father and the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, for anybody joining us online just now, I did spill baptism water on me. That's what this is, I promise. I was in the splash zone up here. Nothing, nothing weird happened. No accidents, I promise. Uh, today, we get to have uh, uh, the next installment of our At The Movies series. This has been going really well. I know a lot of you really enjoyed it. Uh, Pastor Mark said he actually might give us a bonus week, uh, add one more uh, week onto this because it's going so well. Today, the movie that we get to look at is actually the film that finally uh, took out Maverick in the box office for the most funds being able to be brought in. Uh, another big blockbuster, maybe some of you saw this. It is Jurassic World that we're going to look at today. Jurassic World. Uh, so this movie actually is an installment of a longer series. When the first movie came out, uh, it was about 30 years ago. I was about 13 or 14 years old, and now, 30 years later, my daughter is about 13, going on 14 years old, and we have this installment of these six movies that have come together to share kind of one grand story. So I want to back up as we begin today and look at that very first movie that came out 30 years ago. It was the story of a creator that invents this perfect place, this area in which he is going to have this almost serene island in which these massive creatures will be able to roam. He invites some very special guests to come and to be a part of this, and everything is going wonderful until these large reptiles begin breaking out and roaming free and destroying all of that serenity and all of that peace. In that original Jurassic Park movie, the people are forced to be able to flee the island and to not return, and the world kind of lives in this series of, well, dominion of these reptiles forever. So fast forward now to this new movie, uh, Jurassic World Dominion, if you have not seen it. Again, 30 years in the future, and these reptiles now are roaming the earth with man and womankind. And people are forced to be able to figure out how are they going to live with these crazy beasts that are all around them. So let's look at just a small little video clip of that this morning. So there it is. People that are now forced to be able to live with these large predators. And you heard it in that clip. This ecological disaster has now been created. I know this is just a fictitious movie, obviously, but this story actually isn't so different than the story of our world. A story that takes place not 30 years ago, but, but thousands of years ago. Thousands of years ago when a creator formed a perfect, serene place. He brings in places some very special guests in this park that he has created, and everything is going fantastic. They live in harmony, and they live in peace with one another until all of a sudden this gigantic reptile in the form of a snake enters into that garden. Adam and Eve both fall into sin, and they are kicked out of the garden permanently. So now fast forward again thousands of years to where you and I sit here and stand here today 
and we are forced to be able to live in a world where men and women and children have to be able to live side by side with things that torment us, things that hunt us, things that harm us, and in a world that is totally broken. If you're anything like me, when you watch a movie like Jurassic Park, you know what's going to happen or where something is going to go, and you think to yourself, uh, don't open that door. You know what is going to be behind that door. Don't go down that dark hallway. It is not going to end well. You are going to get eaten. You are going to get hurt. But you know what? If we look at the story of Adam and Eve, we can probably say the same thing. Why would they do that? They live in this perfect place. They don't have to work. They have a perfect relationship together. They walk with God in the cool of the day. Everything is perfect. Why would you do something silly like listening to Satan? Why would you do something so dumb as into falling into temptation and sinning? But put aside Jurassic Park, put aside the story of Adam and Eve, and look at our lives today. If your life was a screenplay, I bet we'd say the same thing about our lives too. Why did you walk down that path of financial ruin? You knew it wasn't a good decision. Why did you start that relationship? You knew that it was going to go south and that it wasn't going to work out. Why did you commit the sins that you committed when you have a God that loves each and every one of you so much? It's a tough story, and it's where Paul begins in sharing with the church today a problem that all of us have, and it's the problem of sin. He tells all of us, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your own minds because of your evil behavior. This one really cuts to the the core because Paul tells every single one of us in our epistle today that we are the problem. That because of the things we've done, because of the things in our mind, because of our evil behavior, we've alienated ourselves from God. Do you know what that's like? Do we really understand that, being alienated from God? Maybe think about it as relationships here on this earth. Maybe some of us in here today lost a a parent in the past couple years. Maybe some of us in here today uh, lost a, a spouse in the last few years. Maybe some of us in here today lost a, a child in the past decade. A lot of us in here have lost church members that used to be with us in the last couple years and aren't here with us today. This alienation that that serves is that we are now separated from, from them. We don't have that relationship any longer here on this earth. And we miss them. And our hearts hurt. And there's this gap that exists. Now take that pain and that hurt and multiply it times quite a bit and we begin to understand the separation that we have with God. This loss that we have because of our sin, again, the evil behavior that we have done, the things that we have thought, the things that we have left undone, and you begin to, again, experience just a small piece of what it means to have that alienation. The good news is, Paul only shares this with us so we can understand how truly amazing the good news is. He comes and says, but now 
He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through the death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. I heard somebody the other day that said, uh, whenever I'm listening to a politician speak, whenever they say that word but, I just throw everything away that came before that. And you can almost do that today too. All that element that the Lord just talked about, it is important for us to know our wrongdoing, but he says, but I have some way better news for you. I have some good news. Let's unpack this just for a moment today. There's a lot that's in this one little verse. First one, Paul says that we have this reconciliation. He says it happens because of Christ's physical body. He could have just said this reconciliation happens because of Christ's or this reconciliation happens because of Christ's body, but he specifically says Christ's physical body. So just a little context here, when Paul is writing to this group of Christians, there's a lot of people in the Greek culture that think it's totally unbelievable that someone can be both spiritual and physical at the exact same time. That it's impossible that Jesus could be God and man at the exact same time. And just as our gals sang this morning, sometimes this is hard for us to be able to believe. Not just years ago, but today. Because it doesn't make sense. I can show you 50% of something and 50% of something else and put them together to make 100%, but I can't take anything here on this earth with math, with science, or anything else in all of creation and say, here is 100% of God and here is 100% of man. And when you put them together, they still only make 100% both at the exact same time. It's difficult to understand, not just for us, but even for Jesus' disciples. That's why they wanted to be able to see his his body, to be able to see him in the flesh, to actually be able to to touch him and know that he's not just a spirit. Because God comes to be 100% of everything for us here on this earth. 100% of a sacrifice that he could die on our behalf to reconcile us to God, and 100% of God himself, that he can be able to be raised from the dead and free us from all our sins. It goes on, it says, because of that sacrifice that God makes for us, that you and I are without blemish. We're out without blemish. Completely perfect is what he's talking about. Perfection is hard to be able to imagine in our world. It it doesn't exist. There's nothing around us that we have ever seen that is completely perfect and doesn't have a flaw. If you're anything like me, uh, when I go to the grocery store to be able to pick out uh, produce, I always try to look for the perfect produce. Now, I'm not the guy that's touching every single piece of produce, I promise, but I like to look. I want to be able to get that which is the best, but anytime you look at anything here on this earth, there will be some type of flaw, and that includes us. But God says because of the sacrifice that Jesus has made through his body on the cross, you don't have any blemishes. When God looks at you, he doesn't even have an accusation, Paul says. You're not accused even of doing anything. That because of what the Lord has done for you and the faith that the Spirit has provided, you are perfect in his sight. You are reconciled, Paul says. That's the description he uses at the very beginning of that verse. That you have been reconciled to God. 
When Pastor Mark and I speak with you in the message or during the service in our time of confession and absolution, during the baptism, we talk about the forgiveness of sins and how important that is. But today, I want to even stretch that a little further so we understand exactly what that means. Forgiveness is wonderful, a gift that God has given us to be able to give to others, but reconciliation brings it all the way around. To be reconciled to God is something super, super special. I saw an article this week. It was from 1993. It was about a young woman named Amy Beale, who lived in Southern California, She was 26 years old, and she decided that she was going to go to South Africa to be able to help them register voters for their first ever free election that they were ever to have. Uh, The government is in complete turmoil. Uh, The people were finally going to be able to have a say, and she wanted to be able to go there and serve them, leave a a completely uh, cush area of our country, a great situation she was in to be able to serve others. She went there and was serving the people of South Africa, but unfortunately due to just crazy unrest, uh, due to racial tensions, she was pulled from her vehicle and she was beaten until she was left dead. A short time later, her parents left their home in Southern California and moved to South Africa not to be able to try to hurt the people that hurt their daughter, not to be able to get revenge, but to be able to start a foundation in their daughter's name to be able to continue to serve the people of South Africa. That's what reconciliation starts to look like. You see, what stood out to me in the article actually wasn't that this poor, innocent young woman had died or that these parents had then left their life to be able to serve the people that just harmed their daughter. It was actually the title of the article. And the title was, Two Murderers Now Serve Their Victims' Foundation. The two men that were convicted of killing their daughter served their time, were released from prison, and now work at the foundation with her parents. They have taken them in, and they have forgiven them. They have reconciled them. That's what reconciliation completely looks like. It's not just being able to say that I forgive you. It's about being able to bring you all the way back into the fold, about being able to to serve you in a very special way. And in fact, this is exactly what God does for us. We have a story that's just like this, a story in which Jesus comes to this earth, that he leaves a very comfortable place that we call heaven, and he moves to a place that is a foreign country. And he comes here to be able to serve people just like you and me, not because he has to, but because he wants to. But during his time of service here, a mob grabs him because they don't like the things that he says, they don't like the things that he does, and they kill him, and they put him upon a cross. But Jesus does all of these things for you and for me. We move on in our gospel message today. This is what Paul says is truly the word that we receive, that because Christ has come for us, we have this great news. He says, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven 
of which I, Paul, have become a servant. You see, Paul's inspired by what has happened in his life. Remember who Paul was. Paul was part of that mob. He was Saul that was on that road to Damascus to be able to kill Christians, to be able to put people to death, to be able to prosecute Jesus. On the way there, Christ stops him, and he chooses him, and he reconciles him. And because of this, Paul is inspired. Maybe some of you were inspired by a a baseball hero when you were younger. Maybe some of you were inspired by uh, an actress that you knew that had really good morals and, and stood out in the public eye in a positive way. Maybe some of you were inspired by a, a grandparent or a parent or somebody within our own congregation. But what really inspires, Paul says, is the gospel. All of those are fantastic. We should inspire other people, but the gospel is what really should change people because it reconciles them. And people need to hear this. If you're here today, you need to hear this like I do, but we also need to share this. A few of you sent me an article this week, and to Pastor Mark also. It was a Gallup poll about the Bible. It talked about less and less people are believing that the Bible is the the word of God literally, or that it's the inspired word of God, that, that faith just seems to be fleeting some within our world. It's probably true, and it's tough to be able to see that, but it's good for us to be able to know that it's more important than ever for us to be able to share this message. The thing is, sometimes people get things wrong. It just happens. When I was looking at this movie, Jurassic Park World Dominion, I was looking at all these fun uh, dinosaur facts, and actually the most interesting one I found was about us. It was another survey or poll that was taken less than a year ago. It was just with Americans. And the poll simply asked, here's the question, do you believe that dinosaurs are still alive and roam the earth today? You had three options. Definitely no. It's possible. Or definitely yes. 46% of the people that took the survey said, definitely yes, the dinosaurs still roam the world today. Over 20%, about 22% said they think it's very possible dinosaurs still roam the earth today. Yep, these are going to be the people you're driving home with in just a little while from now. Half of them right next to you. People sometimes get things wrong. I know that I get things wrong. But the truth is, God never gets things wrong. He never has, and he never will. And so we take this perfect, unflawed promise that he gives to us in the gospel today, and we share it with others. This is what Paul says in that final verse. He says, he is the one that we proclaim, astonishing and teaching everyone with all the wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Or in the version that Linda read for us today, completely perfect, it says, in Christ. This is the gift that we have to be able to share with others. Not to yell at them, not to berate them, not to make fun of them in any way, but to know that all of us get things wrong and people need to hear what the actual truth is. A couple days ago on the radio, I was listening to uh, a program with my wife and randomly 
a guy that was asking uh, a couple questions said, uh, think about this for a second. He said, what would you do if you only had 10 minutes left to live? And here were his three questions. Who would you call? What would you tell them? And why are you waiting? Who would you call? What would you tell them? And why are you waiting? There's a lot of people around us that need to know who their Savior is. There's a lot of people around us that that need to hear the gospel message of Jesus and what he has done for them. Who are those people that are around you in your life? What is the 10 minutes that you can spare today to be able to share with them that truth? That because of what God has done for us, sin is completely extinct. But our Savior, he lives. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift that you have given to us uh, in your Son and his bodily resurrection. We thank you, Lord, that you tell us that through baptism we are bound to that, uh, not only to his death, but also to his life. And so, Lord, allow all of us to continue to remember our baptism today, uh, to be able to remember this great gospel that you have shared with us, and to be bold, Lord, about being able to share our love and, most importantly, your love with all those that we come in contact with. All of these things we do lift in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.